Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast. Stebs and I kind of just wanted to hop in on this Tuesday morning and give you a little bit of an update. We haven't talked about the actual content of baseball in a while. We've been hitting you with power rankings, a couple of drafts here and there. But there's been a couple under-the-radar things that have happened over baseball since we updated you last on January 23rd. There's been some trades. There's been a couple of extensions, a couple of free agent signings, nothing too big. How you feeling today, Big Steve? Uh, we're out here. We're ready to talk some baseball. I'm excited for a couple of these trades. I'm excited for a couple of these signings. And there's one big extension that I think we need to talk about. Well, what are we going for? I don't know. Where do you want to start? I think that big one. You want to go with the big one? Let's go with Jeff McNeil's extension. Four years, $50 million to stay with the Mets. That is a steal for the New York Mets. Um. Jeff McNeil is probably worth more than that, but, you know, he's going to stay in New York and they have their utility guy for the next four years at least. Yeah, and it's obviously like I think he would have reached his free agency at his age, like 30 season. So you don't really know how much money, especially with his like type of player he is, how much money you're going to draw in a free agency. And it's just really guaranteed money. He's going to get locked up. He's going to stay in New York. Uh, honestly, I think that they're going to start extending their own players right now. Cause you look around their diamond, like most of their players are extended locked in. They've gotten Nervias for this year. Obviously they just dealt away James McCann, but they've got Francisco Alvarez. who has got all six years of arbitration. Uh, Pete Alonzo's there. They just locked up Jeff McNeil. Francisco Lindor's locked up. Eduardo Escobar's locked up. Marte, Canna, Brandon Nemo. It really just seems like all that's left is Pete Alonzo to lock up. I like this extension for them. They get him on a good deal and Steve Cohen doesn't care about the money. Yep, definitely. Um, like I said, it's a cheap deal for for the Mets, and McNeil gets the guaranteed money. So I think overall, I think it's a win win. McNeil gets to play on a contender and gets guaranteed money, and uh, the Mets get a very very good utility guy. Yeah. Well, it, oh. he was a top top three, or he was a top ten second baseman, right? Yeah. So he was our. Him? I think he was our number two, wasn't he, he? Or number two I or think, three? It was him or Andres Jimenez? Hold on, I have the list right here. Two seconds. Going the wrong direction. <laughs> uh, no, I really like the Jeff McNeil extension for them. I think the Mets are solidifying their place, at least for a little bit in the yeah, he NL was East. He was, so Jeff McNeil was our second best sec, second baseman entering the year, and he gets a pretty team-friendly deal. So taking yep. the page out of the Braves book, good move for the Mets. They're trying to stay relevant in the NL East past I mean, these couple of seasons. For, for the next five seasons it's probably going to be still Braves Phillies and and Mets it's just a matter of how all their players age and I think I think the Braves are the most primed to stay consistent for the next five years I think the Mets have older players that are probably going to fade out soon like Max Scherzer Justin Verlander um, Starling Marte will probably see some regression from soon and then the Phillies are definitely questionable especially on the pitching side of the ball Oh, yeah. It's that. And also, like, think about it. Harper's going to be in his sixth year of his contract this or fifth year of this contract this year. Yeah. This is going to be what, like, an age 34 Trey Turner, uh, yep. probably age 35, 36 JT Real Muto. Like, and there's going to be a lot of new faces in there. So it's going to be a very veteran team for the Phillies. Uh, speaking of the Phillies, they added Josh Harrison, uh, kind of a depth piece there. Definitely. Um, He's not really going to find playing time on a day-to-day basis. He's pretty much blocked everywhere on the infield. He's got Hoskins at first. He's got Bohm at third. Got Turner at uh, short and Bryson Stott at second. Uh, and to do this, they DFA'd Sam Coonrod. And if any of you remember watching the Phillies run in the postseason last year, he was dealing out of the bullpen. 
obviously he was a bit injury plagued last year, so he wasn't able to perform up to like his normal standards. Like he only appeared in 12 games, but he seemed like a really effective pitcher last year. And I don't know why they just dropped him out of thin air. Like this is uh, a good team for anyone to pick up or a good player for any team to pick up. I don't know. Maybe they saw something that they just didn't really like. Uh, did he get picked up by anyone, or I mean, is he still just out on the market? I think he's still out. I mean, he got DFA'd, so he might just end up in the minors. But if no mm-hmm. one tries to pick him up, um, um, I mean, you look at his changeup's got well above average movement. It obviously didn't have it this year because he only got to throw it twenty five times in the regular season. But we saw what it looked like in the postseason. It was ridiculous. I'm just looking at his stats. Yeah, I mean, he's a he likes to stay in the zone. Um, with most of his pitches, changeup drops out a lot. But I, I mean, I don't really know a lot about this guy. I like what I've seen on him, and again, he did have that very, very good postseason run. Um, I think he's a good pickup for anyone. But for the Josh Harrison signing, um, I like Josh Harrison. He's a fun player to watch. Um, and he'll definitely be a good kind of to give rest, and especially if the defense from uh Bohm is not there. You can probably slot Josh Harrison in there and have Bohm play DH or something like that until Harper returns. Yeah, I think it's a good security thing, especially because they traded away a lot of their bench for Gregory Soto and Cody Clemens. Yeah. And what did they get rid of? They got rid of Veerling. They got rid of um oh, who's the other one? They got uh, Phil Maton or Nick Maton. Which one did they get rid of? It's I think it was Nick Maton. Yeah, and then they got rid of the dude with the legendary photo. Um, so there's that, and there's a lot of like arbitration extension type things like Bo Bichette signed a three-year deal for 33 million that gets him through arbitration. Um, and it can go up to 40 million with like incentives, awards, anything like that. Dylan Moore avoids arbitration with the Mariners. Miguel Rojas signs a brief extension with the Dodgers, which will keep him with the club through 2024 with a team option for 2025. Uh, I I kind of like that move. It just kind of secures like a good glove, as it's kind of a transitioning phase for the Dodgers. Like yeah. I think we're trying to make a new shortstop star, something of that nature, uh, and it just gives defensive backups, especially when the Dodgers get injured, because that's what we do in LA. Yeah, I think. I mean, I like Miguel Rojas. I think he's shown flashes, and he can be good. He just needs to stay out consistently on the field. Yeah, I think well, he's also what thirty something, mid thirties. Um, like he even said it himself, he wants to play one hundred sixty two, but he can't, and he doesn't have to do that on the Dodgers. He's going to get probably three hundred or so at bats, and he's get to go play his Gold Glove defense, which great for five million dollars a year. He's almost thirty four. He's thirty. His birthday's on the twenty fourth. Well, happy early birthday, Miguel Rojas. Uh, Stavs, what stands out to you? What do you want to talk about? I mean, I think let's just go to the next extension. Um. Let's do let's do Darvish. All right. Um, six years, hundred eight million. Um, that'll get him through his age forty two season. I don't like this trade because Darvish is a very like up and down pitcher year by year. Um, and six years through forty two, he's just getting up there in age, and I don't know if he'll stay that good. I I think he has two years left max probably. He might he might make it through half of that contract, staying at a a high enough level to consistently pitch well. But um, I'm actually not that upset with this move. In all honesty, um, you Darvish is a really talented pitcher, and if anyone's going to make it through age 42, he's the type of person to do it. He's like consistently reinventing his pitches, stuff like that. 
Uh, and he's never been like a huge flamethrower where he's going to come out and blow you away consistently. Like his fastball has always spun really high, but it was never the fastest in terms of velocity. Um, and I believe his primary pitch is a cutter. Um, yeah, he threw his cutter almost 250 more times than a fastball last year. And that's going to age a lot better than a four-seam fastball, uh, especially with his ability to command a ball. He's got one of the lowest walk rates in the league. Uh, and the other consequence of this is the fact that there's not too much star power there's just anywhere yeah. outside of Otani, Machado, if he opts out um, for next offseason. And I think that really elevates the market for some, some specific pitchers like Aaron Nola, Julio Arias, Lance Lynn, if he, if the White Sox don't exercise the club option. If Noah Syndergaard has a good year with the Dodgers, he just earned himself a lot of money because now Darvish is off the market. Like yeah. there are some guys who just actually got a little bit more money in their pocket because you Darvish had signed this extension. No, that's definitely true. Um, I think I think it's going to be interesting to see how next offseason plays out. And I think a lot of that's going to transition through this year. Like, we're going to see players moved. But you're definitely right. Like, I'm looking at the list. Like, Jack Peterson, Conforto. He's just – yeah, that's just outfielders. Give me two <laughs> – like what? Uh, Scherzer, if he doesn't opt into his player option, which would be Miguel... shocking. No, he's definitely going to Miguel Cabrera. He's going to retire. Manny Machado, Shohei, Marcus Stroman, if he doesn't opt into his player option, which I doubt he won't, unless he has a very, very good season. Yeah. Uh, Javi Baez has a player option, which he will one hundred percent exercise. For that's for twenty five million. Yeah, he's going to. Well, because that's Donaldson. his. That would be his second year of the contract, and that player option gets him into the last four years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Josh Donaldson, that's a name that could he – I mean, it could be something to see if he has he, – he has to play better this year in order for him to get any sort of money. Votto, what do you think about Votto? Do you think he'll retire? Well, he has a club option, but – I don't think the Reds are going to exercise that because it's like $22.5 million, I think. It's $20 million. Um, Oh. On the nose. Oh. He's uh, 40, will be 41. I mean, I think if anyone like can do it, it would be him. But I think if he has a good season, he'll be happy to hang it up and continue his life of a chess, as a chess player. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Yeah, there's really not anyone that I'm looking at. Like, there's a couple names, but nothing super crazy. Giolito, if he has a bounce back season. It's a lot of, it's a lot of like, if these these players were good, they but they haven't been in a year or two, and they need those bounce backs. That's what yeah. that's what this free agency market looks like. Yeah, I'm not. I think next offseason we're gonna see a lot more of a trade market than anything. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and obviously, you Darvish won't be there to do that. Um, I and there's a couple other guys that just got taken off the market for next year and for a couple of years. Like Yandy Diaz signs an extension with the Rays. He kind of gets his this is kind of his career payday, uh, which is a great deal for the Rays. They're getting a dude that rakes pretty much. He just pounds the ball into the ground for three years and twenty four million. Uh, he hits the ball ridiculously hard. We saw what he can be last year. He doesn't strike out a ton and he hits the ball ridiculously hard, as I've said, walks well. He walked it for he walked 14% of the time and struck out only 10.8% of the time. That's pretty impressive, if you ask me. Um, and it's cheap for the race. And that's kind of the most important part for them. It's team controllable, it's a low price, 
and now he gets to stay there for at least three years. Yeah. Um, again, the Rays are just the Rays had an atrocious offseason on paper. They lost like all of their free major free agents, which I isn't saying a lot because the Rays are just good at like developing people that no one knows about. Mm-hmm. They're still gonna somehow win 90 games this season. But Andy Diaz is our one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh best uh third baseman. Um, so I mean, he's a good player. He hits the crap out of the ball and brad's pretty much said everything he has an atrocious glove but you know when you can hit the the crap out of the ball you really don't need a very good glove yeah i think i will talk about this in a couple weeks when we have our uh our team projections out but i'm very very high on the raise build this year like their starting rotation is ridiculous they've actually got a pretty solid lineup in all honesty yeah Um, they just lost depth pieces i mean if it's the raise they'll churn out depth pieces exactly um, like when you have Zach Eflin as your fifth starter, like a raise Zach Eflin, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. I mean, he'll get injured obviously, but if they can stay, the thing with the raise and especially Yanni Diaz is if they can stay healthy, they're a ridiculously good team. But if not, we saw what happened to them last year where they only won 86 games. Um, and also we saw the issue in the postseason where they didn't really have like a slugger or anything. Yeah. And here it is. Yeah, Here's he is. a slugger and if he starts like last year he started launching the ball a bit more he hit it on an average launch angle of seven degrees and you saw he put up his best career number so i think maybe if we see even a little bit more of an increase in that the home run numbers might climb up and just the overall power numbers might climb up because the slugging percentage is only 22 points above his on base percentage for how hard he hit the ball yeah i mean again we've covered it the the rays are just they're always the most fascinating team because they make guys that like no one knows about and turn them out into be being the greatest or like comparable position players or pitchers. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's fun to watch. I think the AL East is definitely the most stacked division um, from top to bottom. And I think it's going to be fun to watch the AL East race, but let's head over to another AL East team. Blue Jays, they signed Trad Green to a two-year with $8 million million with incentives. Um, What do you think about this? I mean, we've seen how good Chad Green can be. He's actually kind of like an old-fashioned reliever where he can come in for multiple innings. When he's healthy, he's putting up, you know, 83, 75 innings, stuff like that, which is not what we see nowadays from relievers. He's a ridiculously effective reliever. He's going to come in, give you multiple innings, strike a lot of guys out, and let up some home runs here and there. But if he comes back healthy and the Blue Jays can take advantage of this, they've just earned themselves a great bullpen arm, especially in a bullpen that's not the best, in all honesty. Uh, Jordan Romano, he lets up, I think, one of the highest hard hit rates in all of baseball. Uh, And there's definitely some luck behind there, which is not something you want from your closer. Uh, If Chad Green is back and healthy, you can see him assuming that role from him. Uh, I really like the Chad Green signing. I know that he had a really effective MLB The Show card this year, and it's kind of annoying to hit off of. Um, and we've just seen how effective he can be for the Yankees. Like as a reliever, he's got a fast or a forcing fastball that's running up to a negative twenty three run value. I find that pretty impressive. Yeah, I think I think it's a perfect piece. It's a perfect addition for what the the Blue Jays needed. They need depth and pitching just in general and i think they have covered that pretty well throughout the entire offseason i think the only issue i have with what they've done this offseason is they just really need left-handed relievers and they haven't gone out and addressed that issue like i'm pulling up their bullpen right now the only left-handed arm in their bullpen is tim Meza. like i guess if hyunjin ryu comes back 
when he get his surgery in the middle of last season. So he might miss the whole season. If Ryu can come back, let's say late June, early July, and bump Kikuchi to the bullpen, if Kikuchi's not already in the bullpen, yeah. then there's another left-handed arm. But if not, then they've only got one left-handed arm. Yeah, it's fair. Um, I can't see when this dude's supposed to come up. Ricky, I'm looking at Ricky Tideman. His ETA is 2024, so that'll be next season. But yeah. um, again, that's a left-handed reliever. Brandon Berea is 2026. I'm just looking at their prospects again. But you're right. Maybe they'll try and go out and look in the trade market to see if they can get somebody. Um, also... Maybe they're saving up for next offseason. Um, because isn't Hater a free agent next offseason? Hater's a free agent, but remember they gotta lock up Guerrero at some point. That's fair. Like right now, they've got Gossman on the books, they've got Springer on the books. Chapman's gonna be off the books next year. Um they've got to lock up Guerrero, Manoa, Kirk if they want to go that route. Bouchette maybe explore a long-term extension. Like the Blues just have a lot of moves they have to make because it Kiermaier's only on a one-year deal as well. Yeah. So they gotta they gotta figure some things out. Their window is shrinking pretty quickly. That is that's very true. I mean, yeah, but they're still young and they got it. It's just got they gotta lock up the pieces. That's a big thing. Let's talk. We got what one more? Yeah, one more, one more big a couple more big signings, but let's talk about Zach Granke. He heads back to the Royals. What do you think? I think it's just kind of it is a baseball move. It's a baseball move. Zach Granke's a Hall of Famer and he is going to Kansas City to earn some accolades. Hopefully yeah. help the rotation develop and pitch because that's what Zach Ranke wants to do. He said he had a fun time last year. He said it's some of the most fun he's had in a long time. So I Zach Ranke, go have some more fun. I don't know how you can have fun on the Royals, but and he manages to do it. Um, he had fun. Let's, let's talk about the other two signings. Uh, the Dodgers signed David Peralta and Alex Reyes. Peralta got signed for to a $6 million deal. Uh, and Reyes got signed uh, one million and two million that can go up to ten million over those two years with incentives. Uh, I like these signings. I really don't understand why the David Peralta signing happened because every time the Dodgers make a signing, it's a veteran that just puts us farther and farther over the salary cap. Like the people who put us over the salary cap weren't like, oh my god, we brought back Trey Turner. Oh my god, it's we've added Miguel Rojas, David Peralta. And now Alex Reyes. And J.D. Martinez. That one didn't put us over. It was Trevor Bauer who put us over. Or Miguel Rojas was the one that put us over, like, completely. But right now, the issue I see is, like, with all these moves, it really looks like, well, Jason Hayward probably won't make the team. But Chris Taylor doesn't have a place to play. James Outman's not even on the the major league roster. Like, why are we signing a 35-and-a-half-year-old and not putting in our 25-and-a-half-year-old? Like, especially if they develop at the same rate. Like, I I uh, don't like that. I might I like the Alex Reyes move. I really like that move. It's just, why are we signing relievers continuously that are just injured? I don't understand this. Like, we have signed JP Fire, or we got JP Fire Eisen from the Rays. He's injured. Got Alex Reyes. He's injured. Blake Trinan. He's injured. We extended him a 2024 option. And, like, it just it doesn't overly make sense these are the people the Dodgers went over the salary cap for. I mean, I definitely agree. I don't I don't know what the Dodgers are, are trying to do. So they're all the it's a one year deal for Peralta. It's one year. It's just a lot of like they have they should have a lot of free agents next offseason, right? 
Uh, let's see. So, We've got again. I think that's just them trying to. They're trying to just sign a bunch of people. To they do a really good job in. of having like money coming in and out. Yeah. Like Max Muncy's up after this year. JD Martinez is up after this year. Peralta, obviously. Um, so I think they're trying to. They're just trying to like sign people to have depth pieces in case injuries do happen, right? Which mm-hmm. you again said that Dodgers always get injured. Um, and then next offseason, I think they are probably the front runner for Shohei. I don't. I'll, we we'll talk about this when we get yes. to Dodgers. I don't want this to become a Dodgers only episode. Um, but I think they could have made better moves, and they didn't do that. I definitely think they could have. I definitely agree with that. Um, I think a trade like uh, these signings they may benefit the team, but they might actually lower their offseason grade. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, quick little mention: Darren O'Day retires. He had a very good career. It was that uh submarine type of pitcher played on numerous teams. Really known as an Oriole in my mind, at least. What do you? Oh, yeah. What do you? Oriole, it's, right? it's an Oriole right there for me. All right. Um, Let's so that covers- He's put up a career eight point eight WAR. Um, yeah, he, he had a respectable career. He got his tenure. He's got, he's got a healthcare for life. He struck out a lot of batters, surprisingly, for not throwing any bit of velocity. Yeah. Um, he was pretty, he was pretty effective in all honesty. All of very good. And then all of acceptable, all of good, <laughs> all of good. All of good. Uh, we got what two more extensions to talk about. Let's talk about Jeffrey Springs extension. What do you think about that, Brad? Uh, I mean, I really like the Rays rotation, and yeah. Jeffrey Springs was an absolute, absolute nobody heading into last year. I think he was like a failed starter in the Cubs organization, I think, if I remember that correctly. No, I was incorrect with that. He was a failed starter in the Red Sox and Rangers organization, and he was kind of developing there. The Rays take him under their wing. He actually like loses some velocity, but it gains his effectiveness. He comes in and throws 135 innings to the tune of a 2.46 ERA. That's pretty good by my book. Um, and they locked him up for four years, 31 million. Ray's gonna ray. What do you think? I mean, hey, Ray's gonna ray. That's really all it is. Uh, it's more depth to their starting rotation that is already very good. Um, I like, I like his pitch mixes. I'm just looking at it. He likes to fill the strike zone up a lot. Um, mm-hmm. only what his he only threw his sinker three times, yeah, and so then they were all kind of like right on the edge of the black, yeah. So what the Rays really seem to have done is just increase the usage of that changeup. Yeah. Because it seems like in the past he would throw the slider and change up at about the same rate. Um, I'm looking 2020-2021 and throw the fastball a bit more. And now the changeup is thrown almost like 10% more frequently than the slider. I like that for him. It's a really good pitch. The slider seems to be kind of like a gyro-shaped slider where it looks pretty straight and moves a little bit, but it just has a great velocity deficit from his forcing fastball. Um, he works really good on the horizontal plane and he can mix locations. It looks like from his spray charts, he's loading that fastball up in the zone, the changeup kind of, uh, low arm side and the slider low and into a righty low away from the left. Yep. Uh, and let's get into the last extension. And then we're going to talk about a buttload of trades. Christian Javier and the Astros agree to a five-year $64 million extension. He will now become a free agent after his age 30 season, which is very good for Christian Javier, in my opinion. Um, and the thing with this is Dana Brown is now the GM of the Houston Astros. 
and he was the assistant GM to Alex Anthopoulos. And does a move like this look awfully familiar? Or is that just me? Uh, five years, 64 million is a bargain for this guy. Uh, I think a lot of people have him breaking out as a potential Cy Young winner this year. Um, I know we've been talking about it and I'm starting to buy onto the hype train. I understand it. Um, I mean, I guess he secures a payday. Yeah. Great move for the Astros, but I think Javier could have made himself some bank in free agency. I definitely agree with that. Um, I remember I would, I think it was, I think we were, Tom and I were out on vacation and we we were watching the Astros game and it was his first, it was Christian Javier's first, uh, first outing as a pitcher in the MLB and I was like man I like this guy I think he's going to be pretty good and since that moment because it was right after the Astros uh trash can scandal I was like this is going to be my favorite Astro until uh something bad happens and right now he's still my favorite Astro so (laughs) oh that's a low bar Um... it is a low bar but again it's I mean he got he got paid. He's good for five years and coming out of his age thirty season if he can stay consistent um and do that next step that I think a lot of people think he's going to mm. after because age thirty is kind of like kind of like your prime uh in a as a pitcher, right? And I think he's he'll make like triple the amount of money. If he's still effective then, because that's kinda yes. that's the MLB the show regression. Like that's when a uh, franchise mode, your players start going down in stats, even though they actually start performing better. Yeah. Um, he's a very like high fly ball pitcher. That's just because he has got the rising fastball. It's called the invisible. Uh, gets a lot of swings under the ball. She's so gonna get a lot of pop ups, which is gonna kind of not look good in terms of the uh, xFIP, expected FIP, because it takes your that league average home run per fly ball rate and assigns it to your pitches, not just the actual fly ball rate mm-hmm. so he's not going to benefit from that because he's a fly ball pitcher but it's the same thing as a ground ball pitcher not benefiting from regular fit um i like christian javier the astros just got a bargain and there's yep. no other way to put it um steve what trade do you want to hop into first i think the perfect way to start this because i think it'll lead us yeah and this should be pretty perfect let's talk about the red sox trading matt barnes to the marlins for richard blier flyer blyer what do you what do you think about this trade because it It feels pretty inconsequential baseball trade yeah what about you i mean it's it's a move it was definitely a move that they made um that is factual I again, it's pretty inconsequential for me. The Marlins, I don't know what they're doing. I think they're just trying to add people so that way they feel like they're making moves. Because I think it was a month or two ago we went, yeah, the Marlins really haven't made any moves, and then they just started making a lot of inconsequential moves, and then go get Luis Arias. And they weren't even like good moves. It, it the moves just don't make sense. They're not going to be competitive in the East. They're not going to be. You're not better than the Phillies. You're not better than the Braves, and you're definitely not better than the Mets. You you needed to go out and sign a major free agent to even come close to having a competitive nature, and they didn't do that. Yeah. And I mean, this next move that they made is definitely talking about that, which they trade JJ Bladé to the Athletics for AJ Puck. Good job, and, Athletics. I think I think Brad said he was an AJ Payne for that on Twitter. No, because Ken Rosenthal originally tweeted AJ Payne is the return. Um, um but it's just it wasn't a good baseball trade. 
It really wasn't. Like, J.J. Bodet has, what, 250 career plate appearances, and they're basing his high strikeout rate off of that, and you're dealing it for A.J. Puck, who hasn't proven to be healthy ever, really. He started his first, like, decent campaign last year, but he's a reliever, and you're trading a reliever with injury history for a prospect with five years of team control who was really good in the minor leagues. Like, I don't understand that type of trade, especially a team like the Marlins, who desperately need bats and an especially a center fielder and they're trading a center fielder for a reliever i don't yeah i don't get the move again like i just said i don't know what the marlins plan on doing they're not good they're not going to be good it's pretty much it yeah i'm just i'm trying to like find like why like aj puck singer moves well Maybe an injury thing with Bladet, maybe. Maybe they're worried he's not going to develop. They don't see the potential in him anymore. Maybe. That's that's about all I got for him. Maybe, but it's just like you don't need more pitching. That's the opposite. You need you need a bat. You need multiple bats. Like they, they have no pop in their lineup at all. Like it's not looking good for the Marlins, and it seems like they're lost in this cycle. They just dealt Pablo Lopez. Uh, I wouldn't. I would have honestly been shocked if they didn't get like a infielder for a return. Like, I don't understand this lineup. It's not a good lineup. I, a, like it. I don't. So don't get me wrong. I have absolutely zero faith in the Washington Nationals, and the Marlins have a lot more "quote unquote" star power, but they're not that much better of a team. In all honesty, like outside of, in my opinion, like. They have Arias, they have Jazz, and they have Sandy. And their entire rotation, actually. Cueto, Lazardo, Cabrera, Rogers. Cueto's old. Cueto was really good last year. Jesus, Jesus Lizard was pretty good last year. Edward Cabrera seems like a breakout star. Uh, but offensively, they have nothing. Oh, no, 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 they don't. So, uh-huh. I mean, the Marlins are going to be better than the Nats, but I think it's going to be a lot more competitive than people are going to think off the bat, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, neither do I, but let's head into another athletics move, which they trade Cole Irvin uh, and Kyle Verbitsky to the Orioles in exchange for Daryl Hernays, uh, the number six there. What is the athletics number 16 prospect? No, no. the Orioles. The Orioles. It's the Orioles number 16 prospect. Yeah. Where does he fall? Where does he fall in the athletic system? Uh, that would be a good question for MLB Pipeline Athletics. Um, I really like Cole Irvin. I think the Orioles fleeced the athletics here. They traded away a number 16 prospect for a pitcher. He's the 18th or number 18 for the athletics. Uh, they traded away their number 16 prospect for a proven major league pitcher with team control for four years and a prospect. Yep. This is like Cole Irvin. He's not like, a stud by any 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 bit of the meaning of that but he throws innings he's thrown 178 and 181 innings the past two years the era is nothing to like oh my god about but it seems like a dude with a ridiculously effective fastball um it grades out really well he's got a solid curveball but it just hasn't played to that in mlb um and i feel like the orioles are the perfect team to figure him out like throw the cut or throw the change up more Maybe work on a different pitch grip for a cutter or something. The Orioles will fix him up into a 3-5 ERA pitcher, throw him 180 innings, and they have value right there. I don't know what you're getting out of Daryl Hernandez, who's a 
40 future value player. He's played 20 or he played 13 games in double A to a 177 Woba and a four WRC plus. Literally four. That's like um, 96 WRC minus or like bad. And I just don't understand. Like they even got Kyle Verbisky out of it, who's not good by any any stretch of the imagination, but he's another player that they got. Yep. I for me, I mean, the Orioles definitely win this trade. They need pitching, and like Brad said, if they're gonna, if Cole Irvin is going to succeed anywhere, I think it's gonna be in Baltimore. Yeah. Um, I think their coaching staff is very good over there, and with this young budding uh team, I think having a guy like Cole Irvin trying to tweak his pitches um is definitely a good thing. And then you get Kyle Verbitsky. He's, I mean, okay, he pitched what in twenty twenty two. In his career minors, he's pitched 30 games, a 4.49 ERA, 142 innings. I mean, yeah. a one, a 1.34 whip, like not good by any stretch of imagination, but not terrible. And you're giving up a guy that can't really hit that well. Yeah. And he's okay. Um, um, and honestly, their rotation's honestly kind of respectable. Like Dean Kramer had a breakout when he came back up last year. Kyle Bradish was a lot better after he came up. And they've got Cole Irvin, Kyle Gibson, and Grayson Rodriguez. It's not like a godly rotation, but it's like just a bunch of threes. And it's, it's yeah. Grayson Rodriguez, who might if be an ace. They can go out and if they are somewhat competitive and think they can make the playoffs, go out and make a trade for a star relief or star starting pitcher. That would definitely be helpful. Or like we said, Aaron Nola is a free agent next year, assuming the Phillies don't try and lock him up throughout the season, which I don't know how that's going to play out i don't i honestly don't want to see nola in a phillies jersey next year i want to see him in a different or not next year the following year um i kind of want to see him in a different situation and try and like be the ace which like he already is but him and zach wheeler are kind of like 1a 1b um so i kind of want to see him go somewhere else personally but again it's up to him yeah i think that aaron nola hitting the free agent market would be really good for his pocket um he's obviously he would be the best starting pitcher on that market and with i think aaron nola is like still decently young he's like 29 i want to say he is throw it 29 yeah um but he's a good player he's going to throw a lot of innings he's proven that consistently yep he's throwing 212 202 180 205 innings and all of those years were pretty consistent in terms of like underlying metrics. Yeah. So you've got consistency there. I think the only thing going against Aaron Nola is honestly his age, but he can go make himself a Steven Strasburg contract or something. Hopefully, you know, stay on the field, but or not Steven Strasburg. Um, I don't mind it. And so you had a couple of trades just to wrap it up. All right, these are two trades that I really want to talk about, especially the first one. I love Michael A. Taylor. Um, he is a very good defensive player. He just, you know, can hit average. Um, but the Royals deal him to the Twins for Evan Sisk, a left-hander, and Steven Cruz, a right-hander. Um, the Twins get needed uh, center field depth uh, because Byron Buxton cannot stay healthy. Um, but I think... And what do you what do what do we see from from the prospects they got back in Cruz and, and Sisk? I mean, I think they're like a forty and a thirty five future value, 
Uh, Evan Sisk is 25, almost is going to turn 26 this season. He threw uh, 34 innings in AAA last year. And there weren't bad innings. There might be like some value there. It's just like maybe the Royals get an effective reliever here. And you know what? That'd be really, really good for them. But I don't see the Royals developing a pitcher. I don't think they have the facilities to do that right now. And if Evans just comes up to the majors and he struggles, I don't think he has a, a safety net. Yeah. And Steven Cruz, double A pitcher, 20, almost this is going to be his age 23 season. He's been okay. No, he hasn't. He really hasn't. He was in double A last season for 56 innings to the tune of a 5 1 4 ERA. Struck out a lot of batters. That normally translates too. So maybe there's going to be high volatility there. Yeah. I'd assume a high velocity type of guy. Uh, he's got a 70 grade fastball, which is pretty nice, but he's got about nothing else. Again, I, I mean, I think I think it was a good move for the Royal or not the Royals, the Twins. I think they get much needed center field depth with Buxton's injury always in question. I'm mm-hmm. trying to pull up there because I Taylor's supposed to come off the bench as of the start of the season, I believe. Yeah. Um, but I saw this stat that was like the Twins are like oh, since like 2018 or something are almost like a like a 12 outs above average in center field and Buxton's yeah. only played in half of those and he had like a well above 12 outs above average yeah so good I mean, defense so all I'm saying is maybe try and slot Buxton somewhere not in center field this defense is and- too good I know it is, but like, like I'm not saying like DH, but like a corner outfield, and try and minimize his trying. I don't know, maybe maybe center field just causes the injuries. It hasn't been. It's been like freak accidents. Like he got hit in the wrist with a pitch. He's like running to first, and something happened. I don't know. I think, but like I don't know. I think center field. I think it just causes a lot on the body. And I think like moving him to left field, which is apparently a uh, a, a hitters. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear about that on Friday. And Tom uh, is not present today. He doesn't think uh, left field is a defensive important position. Yeah, but we'll get into that. You'll 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 hear about it on. <laughs> God, sorry. Um. Anyways, I think maybe moving him to left field might be smart. Um and Taylor, what is Taylor defensively? I don't know his outs above average. He is above average. Um, yeah, but is he eight outs above average? Uh, five. It was seventeen in twenty twenty one. So that's not terrible, right? So it might not be the worst move. Um, I don't think they'll do it. It's just me talking. Um, but I think I think that's I think that could be something that I'll look at, especially if Buxton's injuries are still lingering throughout the season. But let's talk about the Royals' last trade that they made. Uh, the Royals trade Aldoberto Mondesi to the Red Sox for left-hand pitcher Josh Taylor. What are you thinking, Brad? Michael A. Taylor has a pitching page on his baseball savant, and it's oh, yeah, classified I think he... as throwing twenty-one sliders. I think he, yeah, I'm pretty sure the Royals were getting blown out last year, or maybe the Nats got blown out one time, right? Like, is there a video of this? This is 2022, but it says on his baseball savant that 56.8% of the pitches he threw were 74 mile an hour sliders, 
he threw nine fastballs at 68, but then threw four four-seam fastballs at 92.6. Yeah. What a guy. That's a nice pitch. That's a you imagine having like an 18 mile an hour difference between four seam and slider. That's pretty effective, if you're asking me. Uh, what was the other thing you asked? Sorry. We were talking about Adberto Mondesi oh, for Adbert. Josh Taylor. Um Adbert goes to the Red Sox. Uh it's a good move. I mean, it is if for, he's on the field. Yeah, if he's on the field, it's a good move. Um and it's honestly it's another consequence of the Trevor story. Yeah. It's I don't think I don't even know if he's gonna be the opening day shortstop. I think he's gonna to go to second base and you put Kike Hernandez at shortstop. Um, I think Kike wants to play center field. I think no, he wants to play shortstop. Okay. He was on the Chris Rose rotation and he was talking about how he like he's always wanted to be the shortstop and like proven he could do it over a full season. Cause right. his defense is actually like spectacular. But Mondesi's issue is that he just can't stay healthy. Uh yeah. we kind of saw like what he could be and like glimpses in 2020 was it 2020 i think i think it was 2020 uh, right. yeah like 2020 where he's kind of had a decent season but he just hasn't stayed on the field at all and it's hard to evaluate a player when they're not on the field uh right. he's shown signs of life like pretty consistently but the thing is he is never on the field and when he's on the field he hasn't succeeded so far this is definitely true um i'll talk about the other guy josh taylor um He's an okay pitcher. Um, nothing really crazy. Um, he, I think it's a good return because again, Mondesi's injury history is just questionable to say the least. And I think it was time for Mondesi to move on and the Royals to move on. Yeah, I agree. I like the um, I like the Josh Taylor move again. It kind of, I'm not. The Royals aren't horrible this year, in all honesty. They're not, but they're not, they're not good. Win they're not good. Either. They're not good, but they're not horrible. Oh, wait, it's just imagination. I think because um, what that's they're they're in the AL Central. Yeah, so in the AL mid. They're not they're not better than the Guardians. They're not better than the Twins. They're not better than the White Sox that we know of. They could be better than the Tigers. Like right now, their bullpen's actually like fairly balanced. It's Scott Barlow, Dylan Coleman, Taylor Clark. Josh Stamont and Carlos Hernandez for righties, and Josh Taylor, Amir Garrett, and Roldis Chapman for lefties. Guess that's fair. Um, I yeah, I think I mean I think the Royals are gonna be one of those teams that you kind of want to watch and keep an eye on to see what they can do, but I don't think they're gonna do anything that's gonna blow you away either. Yeah. No, I respect that. All right, you got any final thoughts? I think I'm good. I'm excited for baseball season to come, and I cannot wait for the world baseball classic yeah all right you will hear about the world baseball classic in a couple of weeks we're really excited for that obviously we're rooting for team usa we've got a little bias here from the usa um thank you all for listening to the 4a baseball podcast we'll be trying to hop in with some update episodes if anything comes out but we're really going to be hammering home our team projections over the next couple of weeks and we'll be hammering home some of our like final projections for the season outside of those team projections um, if you want to interact with us at all, all social media links will be in the description below. If you've enjoyed, please consider leaving a rating or review. Share it with a friend. We'll see you all next time on the 4A Baseball Podcast. Peace.